I felt like to step away was at the reset time. When you reset your football team, when you get ready for spring ball, when you critique what you've done, all the different aspects of that, I just felt like, you know, this was a decision that had been weighing on me probably for, you know, I don't think it's any, any big secret, probably for quite a while. You know, going to be 64 years old. Um, and it's something I've thought about. And, uh, you know, uh, after discussion with my wife and uh, want to spend more time at home with, with Becky and, my, and being able to see my girls with, who are no longer in town, it's time to have a, have a change, move into another area of my life. Well, there you have it. Welcome to this live special edition of the Spartan Red Zone. I'm Eric Bach. The whole gang's here. Alex McRae, Joe Dandron, Aiden Hunt, Ryan Collins, behind the glass tonight. Versatile. Producing, Versatile today. Producing this show. But, fellas, I mean, this is why we're here. Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State football will have a new leader for the first time in 13 years since 2007. Mark D'Antonio had been the staple of consistency not only in this program but on this campus. And I think that today's news, although I don't know if it comes as a complete shock, but it comes at a time that I don't think a lot of people were expecting it. And I think that it comes as a shock to a lot of Spartan Nation that has now had a few hours to reflect and to kind of stew in this news about we now live in a world where Mark D'Antonio is not the leader of Michigan State football. And that's a little bit hard for me to grasp, Alex McRae. Yeah, it's not something I expected to see during my four years here at Michigan State, to be completely honest with you. Coming in, I was a freshman. Michigan State had just come off of, granted, a beating in the college football playoff, but a college football playoff per uh, appearance, and I did not foresee this. The way that Mark D'Antonio has left this program is sad. unforeseen. And, and like you said, yes, yeah, sad. It's just the the action in itself isn't shocking, but the action of the time, I think the timing of the action is the shocking part. When, when I saw the news, I had to look at my calendar and say, it's February 4th. Yeah. Why is this announcement coming at this point in time? Why didn't he say it when... Eric and Joe, you guys, we were all in New York after the pinstripe bowl. Yeah. Why didn't he say it then? Be- that That's the part that I'm confused Well, he deliberately with. said the opposite then, yeah. that I plan on returning. So, I mean, that's that's something to consider as well. Which, I mean, and that's what makes this whole thing so interesting. You look at, all, I just the, Alex, you talk about the timing of this, and, you know, it's the day before National Signing Day, and it has, that has a little less weight now with the early signing period. But just the timing. After saying I'm going to be back next year, and then all of a sudden, of all things, there's not a, it's not a press release that the athletic department sends out. It is a tweet, yeah, with his announcement. And you know, I'm driving back from work downtown today, and all of a sudden, I look, at, you know, flip on my phone, and I'm like, oh man, like that. I didn't, if you know, if you would have woke me up today and told me that Mark D'Antonio was going to be retiring after 13 seasons, I would, oh, you're crazy. And that, that's just how, that's just, you know, how surprising this whole thing was. And I really think that in a lot of ways, it felt, Eric, you said that it felt not as surprising. And in some ways it didn't, especially with no staff changes being announced. There was so much silence around whether or not there were going to be staff changes. 
And for this to be the staff change that does happen, I think catches a lot of people off guard. But also, yeah, someone else is calling plays on offense next year. I think. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Michigan State fans thought that wish. That that's my other question. And Aiden, let's. I'm going to have you kind of tackle this one for me. What What does this mean for the staff now? Now, D'Antonio's gone, right? They They said that Mike Tressel is the acting head coach while they actively search for another. So what what are you thinking about this staff right now? Is it it's kind of in limbo? Because what if whoever they hire wants to clean house? So I jokingly said a few weeks ago, or maybe a couple months ago, that if there were no staff changes for Michigan State this offseason, that I was going to become an Auburn Tigers fan. <laughs> I said that. It's on the record. I'll admit that right now. I did not think this was going to be what took place. Now, Mark D'Antonio isn't gone. He's going to stay yeah. in some kind of ambassador role, as Bill Beekman said. He's going to be on campus potentially teaching a class. Yeah. Something like that. Urban Meyer-esque. Yeah. Like, he'll have a he'll have a say in who gets the, the, the coaching job next. I have a hard time believing he's just going to up and leave completely. It's... But you got to think, like, unless Mike Trestle does receive the head coaching position, which is possible, but, you know, the names Luke Fist, Luke Fickle has been thrown out there, Pat Narduzzi potentially coming back. Robert yeah. Sala. Robert Sala. I mean, pipe dream Eric Bieniemy. Who knows? Yeah. Who well, knows? we'll we'll talk about future prospects later. But I I do think that if, I mean, you got to clean house. I think, think I'm I'm at the liberty of I was not a Michigan State fan growing up. Right. The only experience I have for support, supporting Michigan State football have been the past four years, mm-hmm. which has been a train wreck and a half essentially. <laughs> and so for me, it makes sense if as a fan to you know get rid of everybody. And yeah, it does start at the top. Like I know what Mark D'Antonio did for this program, and I think he did leave under his his own terms. Yeah. But the timing, I don't know if it really was. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a little bit about what D'Antonio I think, because I think today is a day of reflection of of the past 13 years of Michigan State football, and I think this line. I'm just gonna read a little excerpt from his statement. But there have been so many amazing life moments in the last 13 years. When I reflect, I think of our Big Ten championship games, our Big Ten championships, the big games, the playoffs, the bowl wins, the moments, the milestones, the graduates, the NFL opportunities, and finally, and perhaps most importantly, the relationships made. So I, we'll get to legacy in a little bit, but that to me, I think that little excerpt is what Mark D'Antonio hopes to be remembered by. I think that's what his fans hope he is remembered by, Collins. I mean, when you looked at the announcement today and the timing of it, I, I was laughing because my Uncle Pat sends me a text out of the blue today. He goes, Ryan, is there any truth or rumors that D'Antonio is retiring? And I'm like, ah, no, I haven't heard anything. Wouldn't be surprised, though. I just, I was like, ah, could happen. Literally scroll up my Twitter. Mark D'Antonio's tweet comes up 30 seconds. It was like one of those tweets you just scrolled up and you were like the first to swipe on it. It was so weird. But... When you look, like you said, we're going to talk about legacy a little bit later. The shot value and the timing of this, it, it is peculiar. Peculiar. Can I talk? Peculiar? Is that how you say it? Wait. Well, peculiar. <laughs> Pecul- sorry. This I is mean, the what first I, time we've ever done the SRZ live. Well, yeah, I know. So this but, is a work bit out of a learning kinks. curve for, yeah. for all of us. <laughs> got to work out the kinks. You know, um, I, I want to talk real quick about how the news broke. Yeah. Because, Joe, you called me before my class and you you asked me to find the original source who said Mark D'Antonio is going to retire. Well, and that's the thing is, and I remember when I called you and I was like, I was calling, I'm driving back and I 
I called Alex. I was like, who broke the news? Like, I, text me. Just let me know because I'm going to be home in two minutes. And, you know, it was like, I guess it just came straight from, the, you know, came straight from the top. Straight from, yeah. And just just like that Atlanta Falcons tweet the other yeah. day about, you know, them not <laughs> pursuing Vic Beasley. And then everybody sees the reply of somebody saying, what's the source? And it's literally us. I, it, it's <laughs> it's Mark D'Antonio saying this. And I think he, he took everybody by surprise. Well, because I, I want to say something sorry. really quick. None of the coaches or players found out until this afternoon. I'm sure from Twitter. Uh, was no, it from no, Twitter? No, they had a meeting. Before. I was going to say did have I, a meeting. I believe yes. it was. It was a meeting, but they found out today. This yes. wasn't a planned out process no. at all. And even in the uh, the pregame interview with Tom Izzo about his relationship with Mark D'Antonio, he kind of alluded to the fact that he had some inklings about it, but he didn't know for certain until today as well. This was a decision that D'Antonio seemingly made on a whim. That's the crazy part of it, right? And, and Beekman and Beekman spoke about that that conversation had been an ongoing one with them over the past several months. That he did talk about that, Bill Beekman, the athletic director here at Michigan yep. State, and I think that's important to think about. It was kept very, very that conversation very under wraps. Obviously, you saw the rumors about him choosing to retire. Yeah, but that conversation realistically just stayed between. Mark D'Antonio and Bill Beekman for a pretty long time. If that, because that's the what, you know, that's kind of what I got out of it once Beekman stepped to the podium tonight. It does bear looking at the other circumstances, though. Like yes. the timing is weird. It, it, we're a few weeks past him receiving a $4.3 million retention. Yep, 20 bonus. days. 20 days. Uh, uh, they I don't know how give many, that to him anyway, yeah, though. I, and it's for, let me, but more. I don't know. He how, deserves it. He, yes. And so. I, I, I agree, but he receives that bonus. The Curtis Blackwell allegations yeah. come out, and yep. you know, did D'Antonio commit commit NCAA violations? And one day before National Signing Day, yeah, it's, you have to look and be like, to say there's no correlation, it's bizarre. That's it's too it's, bizarre. It's so hard to believe. And and I think that's important to recognize. But when we look back at all these things, they talked about it. Bill Beekman also talked. Obviously, what else are you going to say? But he spoke on that and said, "Look, we are going to fight this in a court of law. The the a- allegations." of NCAA violations that were brought to the table by Curtis Blackwell, the former recruiter's lawyers. So as of now, nothing concrete on that side. But yes, it's weird. But at the same time, and of course, the, the I think the biggest thing that a lot of people were talking about on top of the Blackwell stuff was the $4.3 million bonus. And I mean, and also him staying in another job, that was a part of his contract, just as it is with Tom Izzo. Yeah, and for, for those people that are saying that he's stealing $4.3 million from Michigan State. Mark D'Antonio has earned every penny of that $4.3 million that he received as his retention bonus. I believe it was back on January 19th. I just just want to make this clear. Sorry to cut you off there, Eric. The allegations that are being like thrown on Mark D'Antonio, we've seen stuff out of the Curtis Blackwell in the last couple months where you basically see that Mark D'Antonio – was at fault, basically, for Austin Robinson being at this campus. Yes. Which is something that you can definitely, that's a black eye on Mark Antonio's legacy at Michigan State. Okay. That's obvious. Okay. But my question to you is, and is it a lapse in judgment? Yes. Yes. Is but, it against the law? No. Giving the guy a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance, how ridiculous it sounds, is not against the law. And, and the way he got into the university was probably dirty pool and not really the way it should have been, but that's how college athletics, I guess, worked sometimes. And D'Antonio, 
I mean, that's, I think, one of, the, that's his black eye, I think. It's not, like, at the sense where it's, like, that ruins his legacy, but that's something you, like, criticize him about. The allegations that were given today are minuscule. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. Every single college football program in America does the things that Curtis Blackwell is alleging Mark D'Antonio doing. An already signed player's father getting a job from a booster. You don't think that happens? You don't think Michigan hires coaches so they can get their sons? Like, like That happens at Michigan. That happens at Alabama. That happens at Maryland. That happens at places. So to say that these allegations, I think it's as a – I, allegations are the reason Mark D'Antonio retired today. I, I don't think that's true because I just don't think they're big enough. Because even if they are true, he's not going to slap on the wrist. It's going to be like a. It's going to be like five, like scholarships taken away. Like these aren't major violations. The thing that the allegation there's just more stuff coming in, which is which leads to the theory maybe he's trying to get out before it gets really bad. And the other thing you can say about D'Antonio's 13 year tenure is, you know, other than the black eye that you said, Collins, that is Austin Robertson and yes. that 2016 uh, recruiting class being, you know, Donnie Corley and Josh King and all those guys that have, you know, since been, you know, tried and convicted of sexual crimes. Other than other than that, it's it's been a pretty clean slate in 13 years. And that's there's something to be said for that. Yes. And I do think he, Mark D'Antonio is a very accountable person. And I, it was just very, it, that's what makes it so shocking because he talks about completing the circle. Yeah. It didn't feel like he completed the circle. Like I, I saw a lot of players tweeting, like, thank you, Coach Steve, for all you're doing. And then it's just like, go ahead and complete the circle. Is this completing a circle? So I, I, I don't know. My, my thing is, if he, is he just tired? Is that why he quit? He sounded <sighs> tired today. He, I mean, he sounded browbeaten and almost browbeaten. Like me- great well, word. <laughs> mentally defeated is what he sounded like today. So would you would you say that Jim Harbaugh in his thirty four point victory in Ann Arbor? No, and ended ended Mark D'Antonio's no. reign of terror over the Michigan Wolverines. No, but I will say this, and Eric, what you were talking about by being browbeat, and when you want, and you guys, whoever watched the presser saw this too. He said, "You know, I'll make this quick so I can get out of your way." And when he said that, it just sounded like he almost felt as an as an afterthought, like it was an, trying to be an afterthought. Like, he was just trying to get out of the way. Like, I mean, he even said that. And I thought that was a very interesting part of how he began to address everything. It felt very, being in that room, it felt, like, you almost felt bad. Yeah. For him. Because it just seemed like, because there were so, the highs of what he was able to take the program to at MSU, and then to where it has kind of ended out for him, it was almost just like, I mean, in some ways, a fan might feel like he didn't really deserve that. You know yeah, what I'm saying? You kind of led me to my next question because Joe, you and Aiden were at his presser today, correct? Yeah. I, that was took just, forever for him to get in the room. That was going to be that twenty was minutes be, late. Yeah, that was going to be my yeah. question to the two of you. Was what was like the He's mood? What was the mood at the press conference? Like, did it feel like it was a press conference of a man that was kind of going out into the sunset? Or somebody that was kind of being whisked out the back door. I, th- I thought Dandron was talking about me getting into the press conference. <laughs> well, and I was there before him, so I, I was really confused. <laughs> this as is to true. What those allegations were? No. Um, <laughs> the 
It was, yeah, it took a while. Everyone's kind of getting antsy. The room started to fill up. Luckily, Joe and I got seats, you know, good for us. It was, it was weird. I, I almost feel like everyone was there with the intention of listening to hear Mark D'Antonio. They knew it was like a curtain call. I kind of get the feeling that it probably should have been the way he announced his retirement as opposed to a tweet. Like, I think after 13 years and the fact that he's 63, 64 years old, like, doing it over a tweet's kind of weird for somebody of his age and also, you know, his legacy. But, I also, mean, hey, but he's playing to this, uh, you know, this age, too, on that side. Yeah. Using I, Twitter. I, I think it was it was a good way for Mark D'Antonio to, to end his his string of strong pressers, I would say. I think it was, uh, I, I don't really know how to feel about it. It was It was just kind of bizarre. As like a Michigan State fan, it felt like you needed that press conference yeah. though. Like Absolutely. if, if yeah. you're Provide Michigan a State fan, closure. yeah, because like the tweet said nothing. Let's be yeah. real; it literally said nothing. It basically said, "I'm retiring," and I'd have all these fancy words to say how I like my players. It literally meant nothing. I don't know what he was trying to say, but with the press conference, you're like, hopefully, I'll get a little closure, some clarity, why he's stepping down. And I think you're right; the mood was weird. Because it wasn't celebratory, which is something you would expect for the school's greatest coach yeah, the, of all time. Yeah. And, and and that definitely has something to do with the allegations against him from Curtis Blackwell and the turbulence this program sustained ever since 2016. But it wasn't a celebration, and you're right. And that's that's the sad part of the way he's going out. And I'm not saying that Mark D'Antonio did anything wrong. It's just like a cloud. It's there's a cloud around this program, and it maybe because they haven't been successful in the last four, three out of four years, but it just didn't feel right. But the press, I, I will say this: as the as I listened to the press press conference, I heard him shooting down people who were trying to make it about the legal thing. As a Michigan State fan, like as a slappy, you're like, oh, I, I there's Mark D'Antonio, there's a guy who like takes no BS. That's like the coach I like followed for 13 years, but at the same time. It's crazy to think about that is how his last scene memory is and his last press conference is going to be. And, and, and those qu- the questions were over. Like, they were not taking any more questions. And then there was, was one question from ESPN's Dan Murphy that was kind of shot down by D'Antonio a little bit. And after that question was asked, they took a couple more to kind of soften the blow, which was... To kind of end on a better yeah, note. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to like go you, out and, with and, that question. And everyone, I think, in the room understood that. Yeah. And kind of felt that. Yeah, and that... And the question that was asked at that time was one that I think had had been hinted or, you know, kind of touched on earlier in the press conference. But it was one, I mean, at the same time, it is one that everybody is thinking about. Mm -hmm. That's the question that everybody does want to ask. And I think that that was just, you know, and yes, in terms of him being a coach and his legacy and just being like, oh, well, it's Mark D'Antonio. Do you really need to ask that? Some people might say. At the same time, that question almost should have been expected. It had to be asked. Oh, it, it did have to be. Like that was. And I I credit the ESPN reporter for I being able to was, say that. I I was talking to Joe about this earlier. I don't know who said. It. I think someone asked him before though if the timing of his, like the timing of him retiring and I, and I had bel- anything to do with the allegations brought to him today. And he goes zero. He was like very adamant about that. And then he got asked again and got really mad, which he shouldn't have got mad. You should expect that when you're going to do it. It was national news. It was on ESPN's lead today. Whoever thought Michigan State would have had a football coach that could warrant the ESPN lead? Press conferences on SportsCenter. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. 
I mean, and that goes to show how unexpected this whole situation was. And, and Eric, I know you talked about this too. I'm trying to look for the quote from D'Antonio. He said, and this is something that I think we'll touch on too. I remember someone asked about coaches coming there and he said, are you kidding me? People will run here. They'll crawl here. Yeah. There's so many things happening. Yeah, and I guess, um, I think we're going to take a break here coming up, but after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about D'Antonio's legacy and potential replacements for Mark D'Antonio. One thing before we go, Alex. I, I just wanted to throw this out there for everybody. If Mark D'Antonio is really leaving on these terms of he's just tired, he's just ready to be done, he wants to spend more time with his family, what changed in the last month? That's all I want to know. I mean, you. I mean, you got. I will say this: you do think about it. He is sixty-five, and I get how quickly you say things change. But if you, maybe he just had like a change of thought. I mean, you have a family here, a family that you have have not been able to spend a lot of time with because you've been a football coach for sixteen seasons, Cincinnati, and then at Michigan State. Well, longer even than that. before that. Well, but just a, a head, head coach, coach yeah. yeah. But an assistant before that for you know the like, better part of probably thirty years, and. I mean, at some point, I think there is a line that has to be drawn, and maybe he just realized that at a certain point. I, I, I'll be honest. The thing that's changed is more details have come out about this Curtis Blackwell thing, and I think, and you, that's what makes it so. That's, that's also, the only thing that's publicly changed. Yes, we don't yes. know personally for him. Yes, but that is, you're right. That's the only thing that's publicly changed since basically the pinstripe ball. Last thing before we go to break, like you said, Eric, I just like you said, what has changed since? I think it, it's not even like. Something that like D'Antonio was guilty, and I think he said it when he was talking about riding the wave in his press conference. He just, I, I think he's just like done with dealing all the with the issues, and, and even if it's like out of, he was talking about how it was out of his control, and I think he was talking about stuff that was different than like players like in the room. He just like kept on talking about how he loved the players, loved the conversation with with the coaches, loved cutting up film, but he just didn't want to deal with everything else, and that. That Curtis Blackwell self is everything else. Yeah. So I think that puts a nice bow on at least instant reaction to Mark D'Antonio stepping away today. So after this break, we're going to talk about some legacy, some potential replacements as far as Mark D'Antonio's position goes. You're listening to the Spartan Red Zone on the Impact. They all can't be as strong as we are. 89 FM. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human. And she's got this little toy she's always playing with all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Recording? Check one, two. Introducing The Undercurrent. Undercurrent. The Undercurrent. A 30-minute radio show produced by students at Michigan State University. Every Saturday at 10 a.m. and podcasted on iTunes. At WDBM. 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 East Lansing. Lansing. East Lansing. Sad day for me, if you want the truth. Happy, it's supposed to be a celebration, all the things he's done here, but him and I have been through some wars, and we've, you know, both been in the Final Four in, in the same year. I mean, it's some really cool things, and I think people are going to see all of his accomplishments have been incredible. 
but uh, I think he felt for himself, his family, and where he's at right now, it was the best thing for him, and I give him credit for having the courage to do it. So that is Tom Izzo today before the Michigan State-Penn State basketball game. PU, by the way. Ugh. Oof, yeah. We let, <laughs> Good this, word this, by Izzo this, today this on the sidelines. This is a football show. I know, we sorry. Don't, we don't need to They talk. stunk. We don't need to talk about that. I mean, you got to hold serve at home. You just yep. got to. All right, I'm done. Um, so, I mean, so we're going to talk a little bit about Mark D'Antonio's legacy. Um, I'm going to read off some of his accomplishments. Um, his head coaching record, 133-74. and 74. That includes Michigan State and Cincinnati. Um, seven and six in bowl games, but back at Michigan State, won three Big Ten championships, 2010, 2013, 2015. Um, three division championships, um, was two and one in the Big Ten championship game, a game that we must mention the Michigan Wolverines have not been to. Um, yes, we're that petty. He is the two-time Big Ten coach of the year back in 2010 and 2013. It should have been in 2015 when Michigan State went to the college football playoff when they beat Iowa in that classic, classic Big Ten championship game. That it's That's... That game, I think, is just vintage Mark D'Antonio. You know, 12 to 9, or thir- I think the final was 13 to 9. What was it? A 10, pl- 10 minute drive? Yep. ten. The last basically 10 minutes of the game, just churning 20 some plays, ends with that, that snapshot of LJ Scott reaching that ball over the goal line in Indianapolis, I think is going to be one of the more memorable moments of D'Antonio's tenure. Also, the um, this Kyler Ellsworth stop at the Rose Bowl, flying through the air to stop the Stanford fullback. I mean... Trouble with the snap. Well, yeah. I you, I was getting there. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free! Thank you, Collins. Producer extraordinaire. But Not a big deal. That was... <laughs> so, so I'm going to go around the horn. That, to me, is my favorite D'Antonio tenure moment. It's probably most people's favorite D'Antonio tenure moment. But, Alex, when you think of one moment of Mark D'Antonio's tenure, uh, what's the first one that comes to your mind? Little Giants? Yeah. No, that, I mean— That kind of got it rolling. That, you that know? did. That really marked the, the the starting point for Mark D'Antonio's craftiness as a head coach. You know, he's willing to be unconventional and do things that are outside the box with trick plays and— and going forward on certain downs and whatnot. And we, we saw him even try to continue that, even in 2016 against Ohio State, going for two on, on the after they scored a touchdown that would have tied the game if they'd kicked the extra point. And they went for the win instead. He was that kind of coach. But you, you look at the Little Giants play specifically against the Notre Dame team with Brian Kelly as a head coach. They come in, and it, it's a play call that you just really didn't see. At that time, it was, I believe, in 2010. So, for me, that's what really started the aura of what Mark D'Antonio and this Michigan State football team was. Joe Dandron, now you grew up a Buckeye. So, you're. He tries to act like he did. Yeah, right. He just smirks when we say that. He said, no, I wasn't Ohio State. (laughs) Um, So, so your moment of. Your D'Antonio moment, perhaps, is not as meaningful as those of us that grew up bleeding the green and white. Yeah, I mean, I got, you know, obviously parents are from Ohio. A lot of family went to Ohio State. So I did. I grew up rooting for the Ohio State University. Grew up or 
secretly continues to. No, I mean, it's, you know, at this point, obviously, I attend Michigan State. I know. I'm just By the way, this is way off topic. I saw you put Bratson Miller as your second favorite athlete of all time. Oh, yeah. Who's your favorite? Human highlight. That's wild. Who's your favorite? Um... Colin, you have to check the tweet. I don't know, but it you was said Reggie Bradson Miller. Miller. I was really thrown oh, up. Oh, Reggie Miller. Reggie is your favorite? Which is even more surprising. So, so Braxton, <laughs> so that's on. interesting because one of D'Antonio's best His moments team. was against that Braxton Miller OSU team, prevented them from going to the national championship. Are you talking the field goal? 2013. 2013 Big oh, yeah. Ten title game. Carlos oh, Hyde yes. was the running back. Ryan Shazier blocked that punt, just blew up that guy named Mark Scarpinato. And then oh, man. ever since then, my dad and I, whenever somebody gets like blasted in a football game, we always say that he got scarpinatoed. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously with my, you know, growing up being an Ohio State fan, it's a lot different for me because, you know, kind of like, you know, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't even really a huge sports fan growing up up until I would say I was probably even a little bit, not older, but I wasn't really into athletics and all that stuff until I was maybe 14, 13, 14 years old. They didn't have the access to that in Montague or... No, they didn't actually. <laughs> in rural Michigan, we, uh, no, you just, you know, pick asparagus. All right, all right. So, wow. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty disparaging to your own people. <laughs> so, oh, man. So, I mean, for me, really the first time that it was like that I remember Michigan State football... And that 2013 Big Ten title comes to mind, but to me, it is always going to be the game-winning field goal against Ohio State. Yeah, the without Michael Connor Cook, yes, with mm-hmm. Geiger, no Connor Cook, TOC. Yep, they pulled it off. That might be D'Antonio's very best, best win. win because of how good that Ohio State yeah. team was, mm-hmm. and just the like it was there just was... how unexpected that win was. That just always will be so vivid to me. Um, and I, th- I think that's what really sticks out to me. And, of course, since I've been here, the first time experiencing a college— Actually, one of the first times I ever went to a college football game was my freshman year here. Mm-hmm. And it was the Penn State game in the rain, the three-and-a-half-hour delay that they Oof. won on the field goal against that Saquon Barkley team. Felton Davis was a monster oh, in that game. I know. He was so anything. good, too. I, yeah, he threw for, four, threw for 400-something yards, yeah. I believe, in that game. And that was, like, my first really, really— Obviously, I was there in person, so right. it was a lot different. But I left for three hours, came back with my—we were, you know, in the front of you the You became section. a college football fan. 20,000 well, people no, there. Yeah, and, and that's one—in in all the games I have been to as a student since then, that is one of the loudest times I have heard Crazy. that stadium. That's sad. Aiden Hunt? Yeah, it's so, sad to think about. Yeah. So like Joe Dandron, I did not grow up a Michigan State fan. I grew up a fan of the semi-rivals from South Bend, Indiana. The Notre yeah, Dame you're, well, you're from the Chicago land, so yeah, that makes and my, sense. And my sister went to Notre Dame, right. so we grew up going to South Bend. And okay. for some reason, the game we went to every single year was the Notre Dame-Michigan State game. Always produces a great game. And Battle for the and, megaphone. And it was always back and forth. And I remember so vividly the little Giants game because yeah. my sister and her friends had drove up from South Bend to East Lansing for the game. And we're so excited at the very end of the game until that yeah. play completely just changed things. So Collins, or I'm sorry, Hunt, I'm going to ask you this. I'll I'll give you a dollar right now if you can tell me who the quarterback for Notre Dame was in that game. Ooh, that's Ooh. so you should know this. What year, what year was it? Twenty twenty ten. Twenty ten was it? Tommy Reese? Nope. Nope. Dane Christ. Christ. Yeah, Dane I got it. Second Christ. try. 
Shout Second out to try Kate. doesn't get you any money. Yeah, Dude, no, Tommy right. Reese being the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame yeah. makes me feel old. Remember how much they hated him? He Because he wasn't good. That was like a weird area in Notre Dame. Anyway, sorry, Hunt. Um, but I remember, I think that would probably be one of them for the wrong reasons. But for the right reasons, the the Big Ten championship game against Iowa was very shortly after I decided to come to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And it, I was rooting really hard for that game because I was like, this is my team now. Like, I'm invested. Go green all the way. And watching LJ Scott reach over the end zone with the ball to win the game, essentially, after that monster drive downfield was, I think, a great introduction for me to to embrace Spartan football. Now, the next four years, yeah, totally yeah. different story. But great start to, <laughs> to my experience. Now, Collins, you, like me, grew up an MSU junkie. Yep. So our our emotional attachment to this program, now that we cover the team, has kind of probably wavered off a little bit. Well, eh, <laughs> well eh. I could say that for myself. Not for me. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I'd speak for myself then. <laughs> um, so you have a plethora of knowledge and moments of Michigan State and Mark D'Antonio's tenure. So which one sticks out for you the most? I, I think it has to be the presser after the Michigan game. The presser? The just basically pride becomes before the fall. Oh, that like, presser. Yeah, okay. it's not and, over. It'll yeah. never be oh, over. Man. And guess what? Until 2020. Oh, I know it's injected all in my veins. Yeah, but like as a Michigan State fan growing up, and I know I got my like father who was had had to live 45 years like with the, a terrible football team. I have my <laughs> yep. uncle. Oh, yep. I I have my uncles who like were watching Nate Saban get to the Citrus Bowl, and that was their fondest yeah, memory. Right. But as a little kid. Going to Muston Elementary, and I have to hear from all the Michigan oh, fans about Mario Manningham gosh, and Chad, Chad Henney, Mike Hart, all this. And then I finally have a coach after I had that wet blanket, John Owl. <laughs> and I finally have a coach who's saying, Hey, I hate these guys. We're going to beat these guys. And he went out to beat them four, what, I think three out of the next four years? Maybe four straight years, it honestly. Was, well, let's see 08, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, four. four. Yeah, so he beat him four straight years. I think just like Mark D'Antonio's emphasis on the Michigan rivalry as just like a person who grew up in the state of Michigan who just like you, you deal with Michigan fans every day, I think is what made him so beloved by Michigan State fans other than the fact he was a fantastic coach. I would say that, and I would probably say Little Giants because yeah. we, my, my parents had season tickets forever. They got rid of them. We got them back in 2011 when my brother started going here in freshman year of college. So we went to that game, and I'll never forget, I was with my three uncles, my Uncle Pat, my Uncle Sean, and my father, Kelly Collins. Kelly. Kelly Collins. Shout out Kelly Collins. But they weren't, they weren't <laughs> watching the play. They, they couldn't watch yeah. because it, I, that it was, was same. I was at that game, too. I was the same way. And we were in that end zone. So Me, too. Like Eyes right closed, corner. man. Yeah, and Dan Conroy, freshman kicker, you're like, Oh, uh, there's not, no way. He's there's not there's making no a 50 he's, not, he's making this kick. And then you just see Charlie Gant run up into the oh Notre And I got all of them. God. What happened? What happened? And I, I don't oh. know. That just gives me chills thinking about it. Yeah, it does. Me, too. Right in that end zone. God, we must have been I know. very near each other. Shout out. I think it's section three. Section three. Yep. Row, row 26. 44. Wow. Been there for That's 10 an epiphany years. we just had right there. Yeah. We wow. were eight. We were, what's my math? We were 18 rows apart. Yeah. 18 know. rows apart in You're the beginning right of the our way section. Spark- oh, yeah. Oh, it stinks. Yeesh. But it, it gives you some thick skin. It really does. So I'm going to ask you another question. Who's the worst fan base to come into? Spartan Stadium. I have Ooh. I have a vote that's not Michigan. Oh, it's de- it's definitely not Michigan. It's Iowa. 
It's oh, not even close. Wow. That's kind of off throw the, the wall. stupid feathers. <laughs> I it, it really like it's it and and this this probably comes from the fact I was in fifth grade. Oh boy. In my snuggie, as Ricky Stanzi <laughs> just tore snuggie. apart. Oh, I was at that game too. Ricky Stanzi tears apart. Marvin McNutt. Yeah, Marvin McNutt on that slant route. Chris L. Rucker gets beat inside, oh. and my f- fifth grade heart shattered. Oh, in half. mine too. And I got feathers all over the place. <laughs> I'm like, go back to Iowa. I was so mad. <laughs> I-, I think it would kill Ryan Collins to say something nice about Iowa. Oh on my Spartan God! Hey, we're going Ever. there next year. I sorry, I don't like Iowa because they play 1940s football. <laughs> And then for some reason, every <laughs> every four games, they just show up and play. Sorry. This is beside the point. But Yeah. Um, my answer to the question is Penn State as far as worst fans. Really? Because a drunk guy spilled a bunch of stuff on my on me. <laughs> this la- What age? Oh, middle school. Funny, funny <laughs> story. Those are college already. football at its finest. Yeah, the guy was so drunk that he tripped. And awesome. then just threw everything everywhere. It was oh awesome. well, that's a, it was a whole thing. Yeah, McCray, what's up? I got a question for you guys. So Mark D'Antonio is, in your guys' opinion, unquestioned the best head coach in Michigan State football. Yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Does he get a statue? Yeah. Uh, they don't have yeah. any statues. No. You don't he, think so? He gets he gets a building named after him. Like okay. when, they, when they finish the renovation on statues? that giant building next to the stadium, what's that even going to be? Like a STEM building? Yeah. They might name it the Mark D'Antonio whatever. Okay, but you can't name a STEM building after Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, you can name the, the, Mark Mark, D'Antonio, the largest building on campus after him. The Mark D'Antonio STEM building. You could, They need to, <laughs> they'll probably name like part of the press box after him or something. Like the D'Antonio press box, the D'Antonio something, D'Antonio field at or, Spartan yeah, Stadium. Like the, yeah, or like the practice fields will be like the Mark D'Antonio practice facility yeah. or something like that. Well, but they, they got, don't have statues of their any athletic no, figures except Magic. They just have the, the the Spartan ring of fame in there. Yeah. And in Spartan Stadium. But, I, that's yeah. something I I think he will be up oh, there. Oh, for sure. So There's Biggie Munns up there. Yeah. Duffy's up there. But I think they'll... He doesn't get a statue. I think Izzo gets a statue. Oh, when for he, sure. Yeah, so I, if, I, I would say he would get a statue if Duffy already had one. Like if they, yeah. if, if it's like an Alabama thing where Alabama has, I think they have Gene Stallings, Nate Saban, and Bear Bryant all have statues. Yeah. It was something like that he would get a statue. I would build a statue, but they don't build statues here, so well, he's not getting one. You, in basketball they do because obviously Magic, yeah. and then they'll, probably throw, Izzo, they'll probably throw Izzo on the other side of the Breslin someday, but. Magic doesn't look anything like Magic. It's yeah, a great, it's not yeah. a good Whoever statue. did the statue, figure it out. Well, fellas, I think it's time for another quick break. And then when we come, because we, t- do you have anything more on Legacy, McCray? Anybody? I, I, I just wanted to throw out the statue thing. That's something I, I, I was thinking of because a lot of people have, I mean, I, he, I will... he's done a lot for Michigan State. He, he turned the football program around. But in my opinion, I think that the way he's done it has, the way he's ended yeah, kind of disqualifies the statue. That's talk. my next question. Let's just go around the horn. I'm going to ask. We're going to be quick about this. Does these the lack of success in these last four ish years kind of tarnish it, Joe Dandron? I think that, in a lot of ways, it does not. Does not. Okay. Because I think when you look at the resume, when you look at the most wins of any football coach at a Michigan State, yep. When you look at, he did granted barely. Two winning records, seven and six, seven and six, um, ten and three in there as well, and very easily could have gone, gone eight, nine wins the previous two seasons. Yeah. Obviously, just a lot of things didn't go your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, 
college football playoff. I think those three years obviously make a lot of that legacy. 36-5 and five over those three. Yes, and I think that 41-game block makes so much of that legacy. But at the same time, the program had never experienced those heights, and I think that that says so much about him as a head coach. And I think that what he, the players he was able to do it with also, and just the moments that are so memorable, too, for Michigan State alum, and just, you know, with how many there are, of course, I think that that just, you know, leaves a good and lasting impact in terms of the football history the, at the university. The timing of that run was really well placed for D'Antonio because we're, we were in a college football transition period. Obviously, you go to the Rose Bowl in the last year of the BCS existence, go to the Cotton Bowl in the first year of the playoff, then make the playoff in its second year. So really kind of push Michigan State onto the national scene when college football was at its most popular, when the playoff was first implemented. Mm-hmm. But Aiden, what you got something to say? I, I don't think it takes away from Mark D'Antonio's success, especially during the, yeah. the Spartan football renaissance mm-hmm. that took place between 2012 and 15. I, I do think it does tarnish reputation a little bit just because of recency. And if you yeah. want to look at a, another good example of that, look at Phil Jackson. Like Phil Jackson's known as one of the best head coaches in NBA history. Won six with the Bulls, five with the Lakers. But everyone, I think nowadays, remembers him for kind of doing nothing with the New York Knicks. Yeah, being a terrible president. Exactly. Yeah. That's operation. what people think about him right now. They're like, he's a horrible president. for like The dude won 11 championships and is one of the best coaches. Yes, he, had great, he had great players. Probably but, the best coach. But, they just think of Stephen A. saying that Lamar Odom has, yeah. is on crack. Yes. That's literally what they think about. Exactly. Who is on crack? And that is what people think of Phil Jackson. And that's totally different. Because that's one of the best coaches of any sport of all time, and he's got a little bit of tarnish. I think you got to look at D'Antonio and think at least a little bit what the last few years have done. Yeah, they weren't failures per se, but they were definitely mediocre at best. Yeah, I, I think it's no question. It, it didn't. There, I think tarnish is a harsh word. Yeah, it is. I I do think it affects his legacy because diminish think, maybe what diminish. diminish. Yeah. And he's still the best coach at Michigan State football history. To be able to do what he did at Michigan State in modern college football, it's it's almost like a miracle to where this program was at. But at the same time, I I think it's like I don't like we said. There's just like been a cloud around this program ever since that three and nine season, and I don't think people are going to forget that. It wasn't like it was just one season that there was problems. Like ever, I I understand there's one season where all these problems are stemming from that have held a dark cloud over the program in the last three years. But there was still not success on the field. Those like three out of his last four years. People will mention that. People yeah. will mention that. I I I think that's definitely uh, the case, and I think that. Uh, from a, a person who has experienced all four years on on this campus, I think I can say that it seems when I came in, Mark D'Antonio was almost like a mythical figure. Could right? do no wrong. He could do nothing wrong, and he's been humanized. You know, yeah. he he's he's fallible. He can make mistakes, and and we saw that he made a lot of mistakes in his last four years, and we saw that this culminated in an unceremonious exit, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think it affects his legacy, but as time moves on, and, and like you said, Hunt recency bias, people will remember the Rose Bowl. People will remember the coming back against Baylor. That's what will, people will remember, but it'll be a note at the bottom, like, uh, like I don't want to sound horrible, but at the back of it, like the bottom of his obituary, where it's just like, oh, that happened. Too. Of his coaching obituary. Yeah, so, yeah to put it in a lighter way. Yes. 
All right, fellas. Well, that kind of wraps up our legacy talk. We're going to take another short break and talk about the future of Michigan State football now moving forward post-Mark D'Antonio, some potential options to replace him, and what is going to happen with this coaching staff. You're listening to the SRZ on the Impact. They all can't be as strong as we are. 89FM. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. How are you, East Lansing? I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. I'm Julian Mitchell. And we want you to tune in this Sunday and every Sunday morning to the Green and White Report. The Impact Sports team brings you all the updates from Michigan State sports, Detroit pro sports, and sports across the nation. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., tune in to hear our takes on what's going on around East Lansing, our weekly Sparty Awards, and sports news from around the world. So join us on the Green and White Report this Sunday and every Sunday at 11 a.m. right here on The Impact. Great respect for Mark. He's run an amazing program, and the on the field success speaks for itself. But the way that he carried himself and uh, ran his program, uh, they all most respect in Evanston for Mark and, and, and his program. And Stacy and I got to know he and Becky well personally, and just great respect for them. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best, and gonna miss him without a doubt. Kind words there from Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach at Northwestern University. Now is, after Kirk Ferentz, the second longest tenured head coach in the Big Ten. He came in a year before D'Antonio, so in 2006. So year 15 for Fitz at Northwestern. But nice nice of him to speak so kindly of Mark D'Antonio there. So now, fellas, Eric Bach, Alex McRae, Joe Dandron, Aiden Hunt, and Ryan Collins here with you. In this live edition of the SRZ, we're going to talk about the future of Michigan State football. We've got about 14 minutes to talk about what is going to become of this staff. Who should Michigan State's targets be, in our opinion? And I'm going to start. I think you got a clean house. Assistant-wise. When you say that, though... When you look at that and all the players you got around in this program, mm-hmm. and if Mark D'Antonio is going to have a say, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, that in my opinion, it should. You think it's not? So? It's not gonna. I, I, you will say that. I will say this: clean house is good long term, and okay. I, I think people get bogged down too much in short term. Yeah, because well, they'll be like, if you clean house, you're going to lose all these recruits. You're going to yeah. lose all these. Guys. They're going to be bad, and that's your. You got to anyway. play the long game now. Yeah, you have to. There's mm-hmm. no. There's no other way to do it and my my pick and I've said this before throughout the season when we when there was speculation that D'Antonio was going to be gone now that Luke Fickle should be the replacement and I know you don't think so Alex so I'm going to go to you next but here's why I think Luke Fickle is going to be should be the Mark D'Antonio's replacement one he understands the type of program that D'Antonio has built now yes they followed the same path a defensive assistant at Ohio State to head coach at Cincinnati. That's not why I think Luke Fickle's a good fit. Obviously, that helps. But I think 
he is has the type of coaching mindset that D'Antonio that would be good enough to follow D'Antonio. The style of, you know, defense first, toughness, outlasting opponents throughout the game. And he has built, I mean, Cincinnati was right in it in the American this year. And, I mean, they were a couple of bounces away from maybe having a crack at a New Year's Six Bowl against Memphis. And this I mean, was, and it wasn't like this Butch Jones no, picking no, up no, no, after no. Brian Kelly. Like, this Cincinnati yeah. program was very down before Luke yes. Fitchell got there. And I think he has, he's young enough, one, that, that helps youth in, I mean, he's 46. And that's, you know, a 20-year difference from Mark D'Antonio. And in recruiting, the youthful movement is everything. And I think that he is has enough connections across the country to build a staff that can can be sustained in today's climate of college football. I, I really do. Now, Alex, I know that you don't enjoy that Luke Fickle take, so I want to hear yours. Um. I think if Michigan State hires Luke Fickle, it will be a lot of the same. Well, a lot of the same of the last four years, because how? Why do you say that? Hiring Luke Fickle is is hiring. No, Pat Martin, Narduzzi is hiring. Pat Narduzzi Martin. is is the same. Uh, yeah. Yes. I I didn't say anything about Pat Narduzzi. Well, well if you're the saying the point Luke that Fickle, you're making, the point you're making, I I just don't. How is that the same? They're completely different people. Different. Cultures. Of, of course, they're completely different people. Of course, but the, it's the mindset of, like you just said, Bach. It's the the defensive stalwarts. You outlast people. That's not how you win in today's college football. That's yeah. not how. That's not how you beat the the top end talent. And isn't what Mark D'Antonio's legacy is? Is that you? He built a program that can compete with the best in college football. Isn't that what Michigan State should stride for? I mean, granted, they're not going to be able to find somebody right now that's going to take him to the college football playoff in the next five years. I don't think that's going to happen. It's wild they went in, in the first place. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. to think about. No, it, it, it is crazy when you look at the teams now that went to the college football playoff and you say, man, Michigan State is light years away from LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, et cetera, et cetera. The thing is, you need to get a guy who can potentially get you to that level. So who Luke is it? Fickle's not it. Who? Who then? I can't tell you a name. Well, okay, you can't have that take then. <laughs> you oh, just not? can't have that take. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not an athletic director, and I don't know the next up and coming young coach. But that's what you need to try to look for. Well, you can't you can't just sit here and say, well, so, so, we need to hire Luke Fickle because he's the easiest hire to make. So you think it needs to be an up and comer, not some established? Do you think the job is attractive enough for somebody? And I'm just spitballing a name here, Brian Kelly of Brian Kelly's caliber. No. no. To to come to Michigan State, no, you don't. Not a and I'm not saying no. Brian Kelly's going to come to Michigan State, but uh, on that level, you you don't. Uh, that was a resounding no from no. The, from the round no. table here. I I don't know what McCray's saying though, but at this point of the year, it's such a bad time that D'Antonio like, like it's the worst time. So it's the worst not time possible. Able, day before unless they're day. able to go out and get an Eric Biamini who is not going to come to the college team. Offensive he, coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, by the way. Because he's, he's just not going to do that. Or I, I, All the candidates I've seen are defensive-minded guys. It's Narduzzi, Fickle, and Sala, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Yeah, it's the who, Big Ten. 
Yeah, and that that's that's what it is. I mean, they're sticking to the script, and that's what I hate about it. No, if Nard, if they if they hired Narduzzi, that's sticking to the script. Yeah, because that I, is I love Luke, Pat Narduzzi. I think Luke Fickle st- sticking to the script. But how, how, it's not he. Never, it's not like he's a D'Antonio disciple. He's a, he's a Big Ten guy. He's followed the route. He's been the assistant in the Big Ten. He's gone to a, a he's getting a, a four stars at Cincinnati. Teams. Yeah. Maybe you should take that. Like maybe you should try him out. I yeah, don't know. There, there's a very big difference between Narduzzi and Luke Fickle in a lot of ways. Cincinnati I, I, was the okay. number. They I, need the to, n- I need to reiterate this really quick. I am not vouching for Pat Narduzzi to be the head coach of no, Michigan State. I know you're not, but it's funny. That I'm just <laughs> piling it on you. Are Jim McElwain. Yeah, Jim McElwain. I, 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 I just had to throw that out there. I mean, I Jim can't McElwain. say that on the air. Jim McElwain and Sharks. I, 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 yeah, we can't talk about that, yeah. unfortunately. Sorry. Robert, Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for uh, the San Francisco 49ers, it's a pipe dream. I'll, uh, what I think Michigan State does, what I think Michigan State does is I think they ride out this year with Mike Tressel, mm-hmm. and I think they hire Luke Fickle in 2021, and I think they're a perennially 8-4 and four program. I completely— At, 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 at tops. That's what, they, that's what they peak at with Luke Fickle. Completely agree with you that they're going to do that with Tressel because it's too tough of a time unless you're able to get Fickle in here right now. Because if they hired Fickle, I think you would keep Tressel on. I don't know if Tressel would want to do that, but I yeah. mean, I bet they have enough ties. They go like way back, like with those Ohio State roots. I bet he would keep Tressel on and a lot of Michigan State staff, which I a lot of Michigan State fans don't necessarily would like. The whole Robert Sala thing, I completely agree with you. I think it's a pipe dream. Well, People, why do we think that that is? That because that he's is going NFL, to be. A, he's going to get an NFL job, if not this. Well, not this year, but next year probably. Okay. He, he why, is Tizer. that the right fit for Michigan State? Robert Sala? Yeah. I I mean, if Robert Sala would be a flashy hire, I think that would help in recruiting to get an established defensive coordinator who basically had a team in the Super Bowl. And he he just exudes, like, he's got that feeling when you see him, you're like an energetic young guy. That that doesn't win you football games. What what I see when I see Robert Sala, I see Pat Fitzgerald that can recruit. Well, okay. So here's before, Joe, I'm going to get to you in just a second. Tommy Birch of the Des Moines Register Sports reported today that um, Michigan State reached out to Iowa State coach Matt Campbell about its opening. Like, he was number one. And a sor- and according to Birch, a, sor- a quote, a source tells me that the Cyclones coach isn't interested, end quote. That would so, be a perfect hire, but it would be the perfect hire. Yeah. But I mean, Iowa State at this point's a better a better job than Michigan State. You mm. think? I, 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 I disagree. I think, I think because I just I think, think the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, is such in the dumper. Sure, but he's got a better core of guys. He has an offense. Yeah, but I I think I, people will say that's a lateral move. I don't know if you agree with that, Joe. If Iowa State's a I would say the Michigan State's a lateral I know, no, I, I totally, I do not think that. I think that going from Iowa State, like think, when you think of a sc- football school, is Iowa State one of the first 15 schools that you name? Yeah, but first I mean, Michigan 20? State technically probably isn't that I was going to say, I, I don't think probably you're throwing 25. Michigan State in that list either. Do you even put Iowa State in the top 20? No. In the first 25 schools I, the, that you name? I very much disagree with you saying that Iowa State's a better job than Michigan State. Yes, I and I think that because and Eric, I, you make a great point about the Big Twelve being the way that it the is. The Big Ten is a is a cut above yes. the Big Twelve, especially in football. Yes, yes, and just and, mon- in, and in basketball. I mean, Michigan State's talking. a top. 
I think they're 22 in the country in revenue. Yeah, they are. Co- one, they are one of the only college football teams that does pull a profit on every their football year. team. Yeah. To- so I like that's a that's a factor. But I, moving on from Matt Campbell, Aiden, I don't know. Like what you think? What I, I want to ask you: What you know, do with the staff? What do you do with the staff, Hunt? I agree with you. You got to clean house. Yeah, I think if you're going to keep anybody, you got to keep Mike Tressel. But maybe. Yeah, I think Tressel's proved himself to be a capable, good defensive coordinator. He can maybe even hold his own as the interim head coach for one season. I don't know if he's ready to take on this position. And I think I agree. You can't go to somebody like Matt Campbell. You can't go to Iowa State. Michigan State, you're a Big Ten program. You played in the college football playoff a few years ago. You got to aim high. No, yeah. well, Matt Campbell is aiming high. Matt I think Cam- that would be Matt, perfect. Matt Campbell, I think, is aiming high. Yeah. I think I think aiming no, high is, is, Rob- is. is Robert Sala and Eric Bieniemy. That's what. And Sala yeah, but they're not even Bieniemy. There's no ties. Okay, Sala, there are ties. He's yes. from Dearborn. He went to Northern. He was a defensive assistant for Michigan State. He was a defensive quality control coach on the Legion of Bo- Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks team. Yeah, well, he's got a Super Bowl to his name. He was just in another Super Bowl. Like this guy's aiming high. And he's worthy of a head coaching job in the NFL. Is he going to get one? Probably not. Why not well, offer well, one not to Michigan yet. State? Not, not yet. yet. I, but the thing is with Sala, you you hear in the press conference that Mark D'Antonio thinks that the next head coach should be a guy who's going to stay here for 13 to 14 years. And if you hire Robert Sala, you have him for what? Four years? Sounds no. like sounds At like most, he wants to hire It's high Luke risk, Fickle. high reward. He, yeah, he might be good, but at the same time, it could be, you know— a uh, uh, David Shaw uh, type of hire where every time that you, there's an NFL head coaching position brought up, Robert Sala's right there. He's at the top of the list. They're going for him. They're throwing a lot of money at him. And then look at that. Three years down the road, you find yourself without a head coach again. I think that I think that Sala, like Aiden said, is aiming high. Being from Dearborn, going to know them, there's, there's the connections. But, I mean, like, why would he want to leave the 49ers when – Money. He was being considered for NFL jobs. Money. There's not a lot of point. I, I mean, like, what can you? How much more money is he not going to be making as a? If he get, because he'll make he, two more million dollars at least. But yeah, he, there, were, was, there I, were conversations. There were conversations around him getting hired for NFL head coaching jobs. Can you what? You know, what's the average salary for a college football coach and an NFL coach, a head coach at that? That's what I'm going at. Well, I think. It was it was shocking that Salah didn't get an NFL coaching job this year. Like people yeah, were I can shocked. attest to that. <laughs> as a Cleveland Browns yeah, fan, he, he was he was a finalist with Stefanski, and people were surprised Stefanski got the job. And I think he interviewed a couple other places. I know there wasn't a lot of openings this year in the NFL, but I, I've heard that like there might be a little bit more interest than what people are saying. Like Albert Breer, a national NFL like writer, said. Keep an eye out for Robert Sala to go to Michigan State. He has ties there. His uncle played football there. I was shocked to see that. I would. I. I wasn't surprised to see local media saying, "Hey, he's got some ties." I was shocked that a national writer said that. So maybe there's a little substance. But I. I do think they're not going to hire someone immediately. I do think Trestle's going to have the job for a year at least. So that means that the staff, as we have it now, stays intact. Then. Yeah. Which I, I I could see them probably bringing back Harlan Barnett if they could. I, I I don't know if he's sticking on at Florida State with Mike Norvell. I doubt he is. I haven't done like my crazy research into that. If Mike Trestle's the interim head coach, I could see Harlan Barnett coming back to run the defense. But uh, at this point, if you're done a clean house, it has to be a home run hire. And if you're like no, like don't rush this. 
I think that's the number one thing too. Don't rush yourself into and don't pigeonhole yourself into a guy you don't necessarily like because you just want to get a guy. Yeah. And I think that, and also to go kind of touch back on the whole Trestle staying another year, I don't think that they, I don't think the universe, I, from what Beekman, when he was speaking to the media and everything, obviously when an athletic, whenever, whenever an athletic director talks to people, obviously you can take it with a grain of salt in some sense. But at the same you can, time, you can lick an entire salt lamp dry. But whatever, what when he was talking about it, it did sound like he wanted to get it done as quickly as possible. Whether or not they're going to be able to find candidates, that's a good question. Yeah, the timing is but, all. No, I understand off. that. But and that's why I think it would be much easier to go for a guy that's in a mid major, like Cincinnati and Luke Fickle, a guy who's like trying to ascend. He would want to ascend to the Big Ten. And I think that that's much more likely than them getting any other guy in the co- in I mean college football. I mean I can't think of any name, other names off the top of my head. Narduzzi's at an ACC school, but Pitt's obviously not the same program. But I think that Fickle is the very obvious answer. And if he wants to get to the Big Ten, this is going to be his opportunity. Here's a name: a guy that has wanted to get into the Big Ten for probably close to 12 years now, but uh, was at what he deemed a better job at first. He's now at Kansas. It's Let's Miles. <laughs> okay. I mean, it it would Stop. be it would be a better move for him. He's a Michigan man. He's he, also like sixty five years old. I, I know, but if Michigan State wanted a, a, a hire that would m- make waves, I guess it would be Les Miles. I, I wouldn't necessarily like it the most, but I, I think that's a name that they might want to kick the tires on. I don't think that that I don't think that Les Miles is even. In the conversation, I, I, I let I'll note this. I haven't heard anything. He's not going to leave Kansas about it. But Les Miles is going to collect his paychecks in Lawrence, then yeah. retire on a beach and die someday. He, 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 like he, I mean, he, everyone does die. So, yeah, yeah. yeah that, well, that's that a, how things really work. going out on a limb there. Yeah, no, the man, the man played at Michigan. He's not coming. Uh, it's yeah. not that I. When we talked about Ludwig and what Joe said that D'Antonio and Beachman are probably looking for a guy who's going to be here for like fourteen years, like D'Antonio. That's like their goal. I don't necessarily see Fickle. I do kind of see Fickle as a guy, if he was successful, he would stick around for a while. Because Ryan Day's got his Ohio State like alumni like locked up. He's already tried that. I don't necessarily see him as a guy who maybe will explore the pros. But I, you, you just have a feeling he's a guy who was made to be in the Big Ten. And he's been really successful at Cincinnati. But I, I think a loot Fickle hire makes the most sense. Yep. And Salah would probably be the flashier option, but I, I I think that like Aiden, like Aiden and everyone else said, it's kind of like a pipe dream. Yeah, uh, no, I, I like I said, I think the most realistic thing that happens is Michigan State just chalks this up as a lost season. Let's Trestle have the reins for a year, and then they go out and they hire Luke Fickle, and then they just perennially sit seven and five. I don't know why four. you say that though, because I I. I don't think Luke Fickle wins at a high level. I he, don't. He's winning at a pretty high level at Cincinnati. He's didn't. I, I, how is Cincinnati not like they're in a how like they joke that power sits with the American Conference. The American Conference is not like they have teams in that conference. It's like, not. It's not. I'm not trying to minimize the fact that he's been successful at Cincinnati. I just the the one time he had an opportunity at a high level. That was a bad situation. It, was, it wasn't a great situation, sure. It wasn't, but with the essentially the exact same roster, Urban Meyer went 12-0 and the next year. 
I understand that, but that was a bad situation. And I also will say he probably learned a lot from that. And the last thing I'm going to say about Lute Fickle, he recruits Ohio well. And that is something you need out of the Michigan State head coach because that's where you're going to be able to find the majority of your pieces. Yeah. Well, fellas. Surprising day. It This, uh, we're burning the midnight oil here. Long day. Ooh, ooh. I have an it has been a, Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I, you know, <laughs> st- I still got that... You know, student journals grind. Yeah. Homework. The old CNS, right? Joe, did you do homework yet? Oh, no. We're hitting the library after this. Oh, okay. man. You might need to send me a couple text messages about one of our assignments. Just just <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Collins, just, just preparing yeah, you. Hey, well, yeah. uh, Collins, my phone is actually going to be turned off. Okay. So, sorry. No, I it's can't. not going to be turned off. It'll just be dead. Yeah, yeah just the like, battery like it, dead. like it normally is. Just leave me on read. Yep. So, Did you guys not understand? Leave me on red. I think it's red. Is it red? Yeah. It is red. Yeah. I well, leave me on read. I I felt I feel like that's the proper way to say it. I whatever. feel like you that had us you're all the, jarred you're there the for a second. Only, we were, we were like, all kind of like looking at each other like what? I think that's the only um you're the only person I've ever heard say leave you on read. Grammar not my best true suit. Brian so. Collins the man that refuses to use the correct form of there. Yes, very In true. any type of context ever. So, all right. Well, fellas, this has been fun. I'm glad we I'm glad we did this. This is just it's been a jarring day at at the Michigan State campus, but this has been for Alex McCray, Joe Dandron, Aiden Hunt, Ryan Collins. This has been the live reaction to Mark D'Antonio's resignation to the Spartan Red Zone. You've been listening to WDBM East Lansing.